Welcome to the Knock on Archery podcast, where we bring all archers and bow hunters together from all walks of life with the goal to educate, empower, and inspire you to be better both in the field and on the range. Oh, you're sitting way back. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> I like to be comfortable. You're the first guest to just kick it back. I need to have a have a recliner for this. Just actually, remember the fist rule. Like, yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. That's what Rogan said. That's what goes. Same mic. So, mm-hmm. yep. Oh, this is the same setup as him. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure Jamie has a little bit higher end yeah. stuff. Where's your Jamie? I haven't turned. Dang it! I didn't turn on any of my. That's that's the Tesseract, the knock on Tesseract right there. Yeah. This Loom Cube thing. <laughs> yeah. Hang on. Let's see I'm if we can figure it out. Which power? Yeah, but that one might be the underneath. That. Oh, boom. Is that. That see what happens. That remote control was designed by trained monkeys. Look at that thing, so ugly. Dude, <laughs> looks like when they did the prototype, they stuck a bunch of colored uh, thumbtacks right on a piece of cardboard and said, "This Good is what I, this is yeah. what a remote control the, should look like." Let's right here make this. Yeah, DIY one, DIY two, jump, jump. They literally have DIY one, two, three, four, five, six. Then they have jump three, jump seven, fade three, fade seven, flash. That sounds that's really complicated. There's no one on earth. Are we rolling right now? Yeah, totally. Well, we should be explaining what we're doing. <laughs> we're reviewing uh, the remote control for the. They can see. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, but I guess the listeners probably don't know. Like, is there another one? Right like there? six remotes back here. Okay, let me see. All of them as ugly and awful as the last one. <laughs> There. there we go. <laughs> We're totally going. Can we? I, maybe you've never explored this uh, on your podcast before, but you have a very like Monster Energy Green thing going with your brand. What is the story with that? No, Monster has a Knock On Green thing. Ah, uh, I yeah. should have known. The green cans came out after Knock On. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's is a little that, different. It's a little different hue, so you can get away with it. But yeah, I think it's seven hundred two C. Got it from the Pantone. Where did this color come from, though? Why is this your color? Um, just because originally that color was the was the color of my favorite knock, mm. like an arrow knock. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the original like Easton see through green S knocks that mm-hmm. were on like super slams, they were this color. I see. And yeah, that's where it started. It suits you. I don't think. I mean, no, no, not knocking it. <laughs> um, I like green. Yeah, no, I do too. I'm all about it. I'm not really a blue fan although yeah. blue has started to grow on me a mm-hmm. little bit yeah we've got some like well like most companies you have like your pinnacle of apparel and what your brand wants to be yeah and then as it goes further you know you start looking at your own closet mm-hmm. and you realize like yeah everyone else out there is asking for different colors for a reason just because yeah. you want like some assortment in the closet. So yep. now there's, we've got a lot of, uh, a lot of different colors and kind of playoffs, uh, coming. We've got some really cool stuff coming. That's kind of, that plays off things that I really liked during my teen years, mm-hmm. you know, which junior high teen years, which a lot of that's coming back. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, people making spins off everything that was cool during yep. that era. So yeah. also all fashion is cyclical. <laughs> yep. You'll get to be cool again. Chris, introduce yourself before we get too far and talk a little bit about your background. Okay. Because I think that's going to be pretty cool for people to hear. Yeah, 
I mean, I should give a disclaimer here that I know almost nothing about archery. So <laughs> if people tuned in for an archery podcast, this isn't it. Well, I mean, actually, I'll just ask some dumb questions. So no, but you've can... hunted legit spots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've definitely. I mean, you've hunted some some legit wilderness stuff, but mm. you've never had formal training, which I think is cool. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I grew up in Idaho, northern Idaho, in a little town called Lewiston, and um, uh, you know, spent most of my childhood in the in the sawtooths and mostly riding motorcycles. I'm a power sports person, but um, always tagged along with my friends on their hunting trips in the in the uh, in the fall. And uh, spent a lot of time in the Frank Church wilderness, yeah. which I talk about a lot. I think it's, it's funny. Most people don't know about it. You know, like you live in the South or whatever, and you have no idea there's this, like, biggest wildlife preserve in America is up in Idaho and Montana, and you could backpack into it and not see anybody for 60 years if you really wanted to. Um, so that's that's where I grew up. The and people that know about it are the people that have suffered there and don't yeah. want other people to know about it because True. it's still good. It's an incredibly wild place. <laughs> I mean, even, you know, you can drive into just the outskirts of it and go into this little place called Yellow Pine, uh, which is a really remote town outside of McCall that uh, gets snowed in every winter. People hunker down and they stay there all winter long. They can't leave and they get their they get their supplies in before the snow hits, which is early. And then they stay there. And if you break your leg, uh, if you don't have the money to get on a heli, you're going to spend the winter with a broken leg. I'm going to splint that sucker up. Yeah, exactly. Peg leg for a little bit. Peg leg it, yep. So, yeah, I, I grew up in Idaho, power sports enthusiast. Um, when I was a kid, I always wanted to work, like, in the motorcycle business. That was always my dream. And uh, I had no idea how I was going to do that. Uh, and... What did you ride as a kid? Like, what was your go-to for the family? Always Yamaha stuff. Actually, my parents didn't let me have a motorcycle. So when I was old enough, like 16 or so, I mowed enough lawns and I bought a bike. And I towed it around on a like, really crappy trailer behind my Jetta. Um, so I was always a Yamaha guy, and I worked at a Yamaha dealership for a while. And, uh, yeah, bought a bike, got hurt a bunch. My parents hated it. And, you know, I, they had no idea why I'd waste my time or money or broken limbs doing it. And I just told him I loved it. It's what I wanted to do. So I went to college <clears throat> at the University of Idaho, and I was just, like, committed to working in the action sports business. But the action sports business doesn't exist in Idaho, right? You can't, like, make a job out of it. So I knew I had to get to California. Um, and just really random uh, circumstance where I was going to go race this motorcycle race in uh, Vegas, and I called Red Bull. I called the Red Bull office in Santa Monica, and I was like, Hey, do you guys want to sponsor me? <laughs> what? And they're I like, haven't heard this. Really? Yeah. So, so anyway, <laughs> I just called the receptionist, literally the receptionist. I have no idea what that looked like at that time. And, uh, the person I talked to is like, no, we, you know, we don't really do that. Um, we'd be happy to get you some product. And then some guy called me and, uh, he's like, Hey, we have a, we have a collegiate brand ambassador marketing program at your school and, and schools across the country. He's like, do you, is that something you'd be interested in? And I was like, yeah. And so I applied and I got the job, and so I was a Red Bull student brand manager in 2004 and five, and then it just completely changed my life. I went on to be Red Bull, one of Red Bull's first interns, and I worked at Laguna Seca in California and helped bring MotoGP back to America, and that just like the thing that I'd always wanted, you know, action sport, power sport, career, get out of Idaho. That was my that was the pivot, and the rest is history. So, dang like, dude, yeah, it was really fortuitous that I made that phone call. That's freaking awesome. So you were just kind of had a dream, but had no idea how to hit it. Yeah. But exactly. then did what, you know, reached out 
Yeah. <laughs> to the, like someone calling in. Yeah. Which there's a, I know right now for a fact, there's a lot of people that are like, well, I've called knock on and like said the same thing. Yeah. And you know, and honestly, a lot of times we're like, Hey, we extend ourselves beyond what we should. Yeah, of course. With a lot of the, you know, we do a lot of donation stuff. Um, but we're like, just, you know, I can give you advice. And a lot of times I refer them to an article that I wrote about like how to be a pro shooter. Yeah. Um, but that's freaking awesome. Yeah. It's and, then, and then like totally change like your college path, so to speak. Yeah. yeah I, st- I still graduated with a, a marketing and PR degree and, um, I was a terrible student. Like I, I'm, I'm fairly certain I graduated, but I'm not entirely <laughs> certain. Um, I, I've never really been like, uh, traditionally, uh, uh the pe- traditional path has never really worked out for me. I wasn't a good student. You know, I don't kind of do the traditional, like, I don't know, job application type thing. Like, I don't know, my whole career and uh, life has not really followed the traditional uh, channels to get things done. It's worked for me in, in many ways. And it's like, I told you that story about Jocko last night, the email that I'd sent him just, yeah. just randomly inspired to send that guy an email one night. It didn't work out, but uh, it, yeah, it changed my life. So we moved, or I, my wife and I, uh, then girlfriend moved to California, worked at a racetrack. Then I worked at Cycle World Magazine. I ran motocross.com for a while. Um, so a lot of power sports stuff. And then I started, I worked for CrossFit Inc. back in like 2009 for about four years and helped launch the CrossFit Games um, and do mo- mostly on the media side. Yep. And uh, so I was really integrated in that. And then and then kind of came made my way back to uh action sports and power sports. When were you at CrossFit? Was Andy there then? Was he piloting then? Yeah. So Andy and I bumped into each other a number of times early on in my time there. Um, I don't think he would remember me if we ran into each other in the street, but uh, like 2009, Did he ever get you totally plastered, hammered, and then vanished? No, <laughs> no, no. I actually never really like partied with the HQ staff. Actually, that's that that too is like another funny story. I just, the, you know, the CrossFit journal used to be kind of a big thing back in the day for them at least. And, uh, I was just on the journal one day and I left a comment on an article and, um, the guy that ran the CrossFit journal at the time randomly called me. I have no idea how he got my number, but he called me. I was in the airport on my way home in Seattle and we started talking. He's like, Hey, I see you're a journalist, photographer, you know, media guy. What are you doing? Do you want to come work for CrossFit? And I was like, I guess that sounds fun. So, so then I like joined the CrossFit, uh, uh, media team and I did a bunch of ridiculous jobs. Some of them were amazing and others were terrible, but, uh, yeah, that, that whole thing came together really randomly. That's awesome. One of my jobs one year for almost the entire summer was I watched every CrossFit video and I wrote a synopsis of it and that was it. I wrote a one paragraph synopsis of the video that I watched and that's all I did all day. But, uh, but I <laughs> but some days I'd only watch one video. So I'd do, I don't know, 25 minutes of work. And then the rest of the day I had, I didn't do anything. Like I'd go out and ride my bike and you know, like it was so amazing. Do you like to ride as well as like motocross? You yeah. Like yeah. I, I grew up racing motocross and then I kind of, as I got older and fatter, I just transitioned into enduro <laughs> and off-road and, and like just got lazier. I like to sit down a lot more than I do stand up now. Uh, uh, but yeah, I raced for quite a long time. I was never any good at it. I was terrible at it, but it was fun. What was, um, what was some of the cooler projects you've done? At Red Bull? Yeah. Oh, uh, just in general? Yeah. Well, Red Bull was um, incredible because it's the kind of organization where if you have a good idea, um, the company's got enough resources and willpower to make it happen, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, at some point in, in Red Bull's history, Felix Baumgartner went to them and said, hey, I want to jump out of an air balloon, hot air balloon in outer space and parachute back to Earth. And they're like, all right. 
So they did it. Um, some of the projects I got to work on, actually one thing that's happening right now, I don't know when you'll publish this, but Red Bull Rampage was a project that I helped lead for about four or five years. And if it, if people don't know what that is, like you've probably seen it, but don't you don't know what it is. Just think really gnarly free ride mountain biking in, in the desert, in the Utah desert, guys jumping off cliffs and stuff. Yeah. Everybody's seen it. Yeah. Um, I, I say it's like, it's probably the most uh, ubiquitous, uh, how many people actually died during the film <laughs> filming <laughs> no, of no, those videos? No, dude? Nobody has ever, <laughs> nobody's ever died in, at rampage, but it is very dangerous. They're that good. Yeah, dude. But pe- I mean, people do die, uh, um, in, in action sports. <laughs> they it's, it's die not, after they leave the, uh, the rampage <laughs> after, after the TV's turned off. <laughs> now uh, rampage is interesting because it's extremely dangerous, but it's, you know, 15 to 21 of the best riders on the planet. And they spend, a week plus building their course, building their line and uh, spend multiple days practicing. And then the culmination of it is event day where they get to do two runs, but they pretty, they've really baked it out like up till that point. But the, the really cool part about rampage that most people don't know about is, so we'll be in, we'll be in the desert for two weeks and um, people will be building their lines. And then about three days from the event uh, they'll start testing. Right. And so you know, the, it's kind of like, it's very much like a, a pot of water coming to boil. doesn't make much noise. And then right at the moment before it boils, it starts sounding really crazy. And like the <laughs> first, the first time, like on a Wednesday, when you, when people start guinea pigging their lines, you hear their tires rolling over the like really hard packed sand. And yeah. it makes this, it sounds like a drone actually. Um, and you hear the first couple big jumps and you know, you always know people stuck it because the the diggers and the, the people watching will smack their shovels on the ground. And oh. it makes this like really weird reverberating noise. I'll never forget that. It's like you hear kind of like a droney noise and then you hear shovel smack in the ground and then it goes back to silence and somebody's just spraying water. I feel like I hear that when, um, whenever I'm taking my bike to my stand, when the first frost of the year starts hitting mm-hmm. and it's like, a couple millimeters of frost on like what was mud. Yeah. You know, crinkly, and, a, yeah, and a lot of times your, your treads are there from the day before, but then they freeze yeah. and it's, yeah, yeah, it just makes that, that sound kind of yeah. like, um, well, I remember this sound too, from being a little kid in Mississippi. I mean, my life kind of looked a lot like those kids on standby me, like once they like went on their little mission oh, yeah, like yeah. that, because I grew up in the Mississippi Delta. So yeah. I had a, uh, you know, a huffy bike with like a yellow tire and a red tire, you know, mm-hmm. because it was probably the only used tires, sure. you know, after I burned them, burned them off from learning how Good to skids. do skids. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and so I would just be, you know, I'd pedal, I would ride everywhere mm-hmm. on this thing. And, the tar, like wherever they would seal the roads down in Mississippi, you know, I don't know what they would seal it with, but it would get, the roads would get so hot that they would bubble mm-hmm. and there'd be all, and, you, and it would oh, sound yeah, like you, you were driving over like bubble wrap, Yeah, right. but it was like little tar things. Mm-hmm. And so all my t-shirts had just like, <laughs> if I had, yeah, I had just straight up just splattered yeah. tar for like this wide nice. all the way up the back. Uh-huh. And I'd always wear my hat backwards so that the tar didn't get in my hair because they would take it out with that, um, 
that tar cleaner that they use on cars. Oh, right, right. <laughs> and I remember hating that smell. So this was before the phase in the photo you showed me last night where you're in a cowboy hat and a, oh, yeah. and a Wrangler button. Yeah, this was just straight early, up. Early. Just, yeah, just a ratty, like, trailer park-looking kid on, like, a Huffy <laughs> with, like, one one mag wheel and one yeah. spoke wheel. Oh, you had to have the mags. You didn't have the mags. <laughs> cool. Dude, I only had one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think I, like, found it somewhere yeah. and, and put a tire on it. Nice. So... Yeah, that that was pretty much what I would do. Cruise around, do that, cause havoc with you know. I had a BB gun that I had like strapped on me. Yeah. I had like a probably a Red Rider. Um, I would normally have that. A couple fireworks if I could get a hold of them. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and I would like shoot turtles. <laughs> shoot with both. your BB gun. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Any turtle head that popped up on a bridge I was riding over, like mm-hmm. it would get popped. We talking about a um, like a single action BB gun, or oh, like yeah. a pump pump style. Yeah. Do you ever yeah. have the pump one? Oh yeah, 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 I yeah. I got in a lot of trouble with the pump one, dude. Yeah, did yeah. you ever try to? Did you ever over pump it? Yeah, I over pumped it and then ended up shooting a person with it. Oh, like accidentally, but it was a pretty bad deal. Yeah, I thought if I pumped, well, I remember I um actually sold uh. All my Halloween candy, I, like, pawned it off. I waited till all the Halloween candy was, like, ran out for my friends. And then I set up, like, a little TV tray at the end of my driveway. Smart. And just sold all the Halloween candy that I took from neighbors. Per, per piece, or was it per pound? Or how, It was yeah, per it was, piece. Yeah. yeah, and there was massive inflation. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and I ended up saving up and bow, buying that Powerline 880, mm-hmm. which, do you remember that one? No. It had, like, action yeah, it had like the square handle down here. Oh, yeah, okay. And, I mean, it was the legit one. It wasn't the one with, like, the fake wood Yeah, stock, one. yeah, that's what I had. Yeah, that yeah, one was kind of, it was didn't have the power of yeah. the Powerline 8880. But, yeah, when I got that thing, uh, my dad set up some bales of hay in the backyard, and I like shook up a can and put it on top. And I thought if I pump this thing a hundred times when mm. I shoot this can, like I was envisioning like a Hollywood explosion yeah, like happening. Putting tannerite on a on a oh, yeah. tank or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, thank God yeah. there wasn't tannerite oh, when, when John Dudley was freaking ten to yeah. thirteen. Because yeah. I wouldn't I know I wouldn't be here. And if I if I was, it would I would look like Darth Vader at the yeah. end of freaking Return of the Jedi, yeah, like that's what I would face, and yeah, yeah, that's what I shape. would look like. But uh, I pumped this thing a hundred times. I remember counting it down. I didn't realize there's like a pressure release valve. Right. To where, you know, <laughs> everything past like seven was everything like, past ten is yeah. irrelevant. Yeah. So I'm just like pumping this thing, and then I lined up on this can and shot, and like nothing happened. Oh really? It was very anticlimactic. But then like all of our backyards were in a line. You know, we were in a neighborhood and then like five yards down, I could just see this like big maple tree. It was like this time of the year because it had a lot of colors and I could see it like it was like shaking at the very top of it. It was a big ass tree mm-hmm. and there was like leaves like coming out. And I was like, I remember looking down there like, holy crap, look at all those leaves like coming out of the tree. And like it was like shaking over here and like shaking over here and shaking over here. And then yeah. this like girl drops out. Oh, oh no. She was climbing the tree. Oh my God. And you shot her. Yeah. And so like, then the dad comes out and, oh. you know, and I shot her in the leg, but it didn't penetrate, but it like, you know, she thought she, she had still, like a bee sting or she something. She still fell out of the tree though. Yeah. Right. And 
so he like looks down and here's this like freaking I well I'll guarantee you I had shaved sides with like vanilla ice stripes cut on yeah. the side and I had this long straight like mullet dude mm. and I'm sitting there with this BB gun just like you know probably like a Motley Crue t-shirt yeah. just looking over the top of the the fences and so he saw me there and dude yeah, we, <laughs> he, he knew where that thing he put it all together real fast yeah, as right. a dad and yeah so I uh catch a whooping yeah I got yeah I got whipped bad and got that that gun taken away and it made a new appearance later on that's a different story but um she's probably telling the same story right now about how some asshole that (laughs) five houses away shot her with a bb gun when she was a kid you know best case scenario is it hasn't ruined her life and like you know she's sitting there saying somewhere in the world this you know (laughs) my whole life has been changed yeah i was gonna say now you guys are married yeah she sees a bb gun she's just like oh my god you know motley crew comes on she freaks out like (laughs) you know that would be the worst anybody with a non-ironic mullet yeah uh, she sees you yeah Mm. good grief yeah just thinking if if there was tannerite when i grew up be a problem Yeah. yeah that would have been horrible for the whole planet could you detonate tannerite or could you strike tannerite with like a bowhead or an arrowhead and have it like ignite probably could you gotta shoot the gun right well you would need because you have to have a little i mean we should investigate to say that well like what you would need is a low impact and explosive to where you could put a little of that on there that would then cause enough pressure to then make the tannerite go on what i will say is i did rig up a lot of shouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah here's how to do i'm it backing up. at home yeah i yeah. i know like i figured out how to how to shoot like shotgun shells with my bow and like all that stuff what yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm not i'm not even talking about it huh okay i'll change subjects um so i there was something you were saying about i didn't want to interrupt you when you were mm. talking about when you first grew up on your motorcycle. I'm trying to think what you said, but it totally hit home with me. Um, gosh, I should have wrote it Mo- down. Mowed yards until I could buy yeah. it. Towed it behind my crappy Jetta. Yeah. yeah. Well, dude, so, that yeah, that's perfect. So my dad, obviously, I was an idiot growing up. I mean, you can tell the trouble I got into with a BB gun. Yeah. So you could imagine, like, I never... Things got well, exponentially Honestly, worse. part of why I, I'm so excited about, like, why we're actually together here, which mm. is kind of a little bit of a secret still, but um, I was never allowed to have a go-kart. Mm. I was never allowed to have a four-wheeler. Well, then a three-wheeler. Right, yeah, which is probably a good thing you didn't have Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude. I would have jumped that thing. I would have probably lit it on fire and ghost rode it through all six backyards behind our house. Like, mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff I would have done. But, um, so when I turned 16, like my, my mom and my dad both said, if you want a motorcycle, you can get one when you have a license. Hmm. So when I turned old enough to drive, I had saved mowing, mowing yards, selling candy. Mm-hmm. Um, mowing yards, is the best job ever, by the way, when you're a young guy. Dude, twenty bucks mow a yard. I can't believe what it costs to mow a yard right now. Like yeah. I'm, I'm looking at people thinking, "Holy crap!" If I was making this kind of money to mow a yard, like that would be my business yeah. as a as a junior high kid. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of felt like 
if I had to do it all again, like if Harry wasn't in a ton of sports and stuff like that, it's almost like as a parent, if you want to teach him how to have a really good business model, buy him a good lawnmower that's dependable. Yep. And just be like, go to every neighbor within driving distance of this place yep. and tell them that you'll cut their grass, you know, every Friday. Yep. Like you could make 50 bucks per day as a kid oh, in yeah. an hour, right? You'd be, be pumped. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that would be freaking, and I would have totally done it. But I ended up saving up like, I think it was like twenty one hundred bucks, mm-hmm. and went. I had my mom. I got my license and had my mom drop me off at a motorcycle dealer. Oh, They're really? actually the Oakley dealer because I, I like those frog skins. Yeah, you got froggies on, um, like razors. I think were like cool then. Yeah, but uh, I went in there and just said. I want a motorcycle. I've got like 2,200 bucks. And there was a, I think it was like an FZR 400 Yamaha. Mm. Oh, you want a street bike? Yeah. I just wanted a motorcycle and obviously a crotch rocket was Mm -hmm. like the cooler thing. Sure. So yeah, it was like a white one with the red and black, Mm -hmm. you know, it had, it looked, it looked like, like a ZX nine, but it like had like, 400 in it so it's yeah. pretty much so, so i remember what, like it was like I, early 90s yeah yeah okay so i go uh hey man yeah i'll take it you know and i like bought this thing <laughs> and and i yeah and i remember like going out in the driveway and my mom i mean and my mom gave me a lot of rope yeah all like obviously mm-hmm. and uh she's just like are you Good. And I said, yeah, I'll meet you at the house. And so like when the dude like brought it out and stuff and like gave me the keys, I said, can you give me a quick rundown on like how to drive this thing? And he goes, oh yeah. He said, it's easy. One down five up. And Mm -hmm. so I like kind of started it and I kind of like revved it. And Mm -hmm. I, I'm just like, can you tell me what that means? And he's like, Oh boy. He goes, well, your neutral's between first and second. And I'm like, how does that work? And he just like turned the bike off. Yeah. And he goes, have you ever ridden a motorcycle? I go, I was never allowed to ride one until I turned 16. And that's today. <laughs> and I got this money. And the guy's just like, dude. So he like took me in the back and put me on like an old like jazz, like mm-hmm. a Yamaha jazz. Yeah. And just like. Showed you the ropes. <laughs> showed me the ropes. What a saint. That and, guy. Yeah. Shout out to whoever that is. Yeah. He's still alive. And so, and honestly, I always wanted like, you know, like razors. Mm-hmm. And I had enough money. I told him like, I really want some razors with like an iridium lens. Yep. And so like when I bought that, he's like, I'll throw in a pair of razors with an iridium lens. So no dude, way. I had no helmet. Yeah. I had these brand new freaking <laughs> Oakleys and who probably a Mohawk. Mm-hmm. Like if I look back, I probably had a Mohawk. And, well, it was more of a Tony Hawk mohawk. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, it was just a lot of bangs and everything that yep. was just like laid back. Mm-hmm. And I just freaking got on that sucker and just went, you know, killed it a few times <laughs> getting out of the parking lot. And is then, this in Mississippi or were you in Chicago by then? It was northern Chicago. Yeah, oh, it was yeah, up. Okay. It was up. Uh, it was up. But it was actually the motorcycle dealership was in McHenry, Illinois. Mm. So you could ride it about one and a half months out of the year, basically. Everything else too cold. No, dude. I freaking ra- I ran that. I was the idiot where, like, when there was salt on the roads. Yeah, and, like, went. yeah, I was the dude that was, like, you know, hitting, like, little <laughs> patches of ice and people looking at you, like, why are you riding? Why? Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, I'd be in my whole Carhartt thing, like what I poured concrete in. Mm-hmm. I'd be in like that whole deal. And the only time I'd wear a helmet is if it was so cold that my face got frostbite. Then I would do it. Yeah. But then like a lot of my friends, um, because I kind of made friends with a lot of the varsity players uh, as like a freshman, sophomore. Mm-hmm. Um so a lot of my original friends on the football team were like graduating or seniors and then they graduated. And as soon as they graduated, most of them, most of my better friends all like got construction jobs like that. Yep. So they had money for the first time. Right. And, um, that was the year the CBR 600s came out mm-hmm. and those were like the bikes. The move, yeah. And there was like three or four colors you know, there was like three or four color CBR 600s. And when I became a senior, all like I rode every day with my friends, mm-hmm. which they all had, they all had CBR 600s and I still had this 400. But then when I graduated, I ended up getting, um, they did like a limited edition CBR 600 in the Pepsi colors. Oh, wow. So yeah. red, white, and blue. Yeah. And so I got that thing yeah. and, and like put a pipe on it. Like, yeah, dropped a sprocket in the front and then just went <laughs> pissed everybody off. Yeah, just yeah. full idiot. A full hooligan. Yeah, all I had time. a I had a um I had a white Camaro with like remember those neat one like when neon lights first came out? Mm-hmm. I had like neon lights underneath my like Camaro. Ground, yeah, ground. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean I worked a lot. Yeah. I freaking you know, I practice and if I wanted something, I found a job. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted a cool sound system in my Camaro. Mm-hmm. So I worked for this uh, worked for this company called, gosh, I forget what it was. It was like Detail something. They were in Crystal Lake, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And so every weekend I would go and detail cars and freaking just clean up from like the sawdust where they were making like sub boxes. Okay. And they oh, were, yeah, yeah, and yeah. They were a... Uh, they were like one of the biggest Clarion dealers. Mm -hmm. So then I ended up like a rep came in and I told him like, I wanted this system in my Camaro. Mm -hmm. So, uh, he ended up like giving me a price and I ended up doing yard work for the owner of the business. (laughs) Yeah. I did yard work. Like after they closed, I'd go and do yard work. Yep. And I mean, like landscaping stuff, which I really hate. Yes. And he pretty much fronted me to put like a full system in there. And then so I started like going to some of these like freaking car shows. And I remember like, you know, you just literally play your, I think, um, I think my go-to song for, because all they measured was decibels, not clarity. Right. So I think um, Tech Master PEB was like my tape. <laughs> was the, yeah, the jam. Yeah, it was because CDs weren't out yet. Right. So it was like tape, mm-hmm. and yeah, I could I could like get a ribbon mm-hmm. with those. But that was my rig, and then that crotch rocket, and then just still got those ribbons around anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I God, that was yeah. What a freaking time! And then yeah. somehow in the middle of all that, I like became an archer yeah and then you yeah because i was doing all that and like just like kind of like living a double life of that was my life all the time but as soon as thanksgiving hit Mm -hmm. and we were able to go down to our family place in mississippi it was freaking real tree camo Mm -hmm. and you know 
my golden eagle bow and I was just like a full blown wood rat, mm-hmm. you know, for like seven days. And then when, if we'd go back at the, for Christmas, we'd go back down to Mississippi. Yeah. Same. And I had to clean up all that because like people have probably watched a podcast with my uncle, uncle Kenny. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then my grandpa, uh, who we called Papa was from, you know, a bunch of brothers, all of them like, you know, Korean war type dudes, mm-hmm. depression era. Yeah. So like, Tough. yeah, me showing up with like, you know, vanilla ice shaved yeah. sides <laughs> and like, wasn't going to fly. No, if I went and had any of that, they just took me right to the barber and it just went high and tight just yeah. like that. And right. they're like, if you're hunting here, this is what you have. So I, it would just be like a totally different person. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. And then somehow archery led me completely away from that life of being a total freaking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) But dude, I, I, I remember cutting grass to get my first motorcycle Yeah, and yeah, now, um, they didn't, they didn't have compound bows back then. Right. It was all recurve when you were no compounds had started yeah and and actually my first my very first but the first bow i ever bought myself was actually a pse Mm -hmm. which is really cool um my dad had a pse that looked way cooler than what i had because i think i had a recurve Mm -hmm. or like a really like dumb round wheel bow Mm -hmm. um and i always thought his was way cooler i could never pull it back yeah um but i could pull it back with my feet So I'd actually shoot it in the backyard. Like when he would be at work, I'd go get his bow out of the case Mm -hmm. and I would shoot it like a crossbow with my legs. What? Yeah, I'd sit on my butt and put and like hold the riser with both my feet. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, and I'd just tip it upside down and just like literally like (laughs) make a crossbow out of my legs. That's funny. That's actually a good idea. Yeah, yeah. That's how I did it. And you know You should build like a really big bow with like a two hundred pound draw, right? It's called a draw. Mm-hmm. Like a two hundred pound draw. And like the bigger your deadlift is, the the like the bigger arrow you can shoot. You can shoot like a giant spear. <laughs> you could. Why wouldn't you make that? It'd be a catapult at that yeah. point. Kind of like a one of those ones from uh would well, be from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and then you right? get like strongman in and you make them like a five hundred pound draw or a thousand pound draw. And just see how big of a spear they can shoot with their legs. That'd be kind of cool. It, uh, yeah. And actually, Bert Soren has, like, talked to me. He's like, I've got this guy who wants, like, a 200. I'm like, Bert, the problem is when those fail, and it's not like the limbs are going to fail, but yeah. it's like. The whole thing's just going to blow up. Yeah, right? it's like the bearings. It's like an axle. Yeah. It's like even the material, like, you know, if somehow that string gets nicked and you pull it back and it's got that much load and it just blows, it's like. Everybody in the vicinity of that thing is because I've seen like, you know, we we used to in the test labs, you have to shoot stuff to failure. Yeah. And if you've ever been around stuff like bows that truly detonate, Mm -hmm. which I have. What happens? It's catastrophic. Yeah. It's not good because the pieces swing around from the string and the graphite blow the. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's, I mean, some stuff I can't talk about just because I've seen stuff happen that, you know, ended up like in legal stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I've seen peep sites, you know, come out of strings, just go right through people's eyeballs and just all the way into the back of their head. Like, yeah, I mean, that's that's a projectile. That's really what the limiting factor is for the draw. 
safety. Safety, okay. Yeah. In my opinion, especially if it's a friend, like if yeah. someone's like, hey, we want to do this, I'm like, that's not smart. Mm-hmm. But how much, um, ever, like incremental steps of, of draw, weight, how much does it really impact the velocity of the arrow and like its effectiveness? Like Normally if you, if you like, could have a 200 pound draw, would that even really be useful anywhere? Yeah, for sure. Like a lot of the energy that crossbows generate is because they're, the power stroke's shorter, but they're able to actually have more speed because the, the poundage is so high. Mm, okay. So if the poundage was as high as it is, but had a power stroke like mine, they would be like blistering fast. Mm. But obviously it's a matter of like pulling them back. Not, twi- you know, with that much load, like not twisting them off the cams and yeah. stuff like that. So it just kind of comes down to safety. But as a rule of thumb, normally it's about 10, 10 feet per second more per 10 pounds that you'll shoot. Okay. Yeah, 8 to 10, just depending on the efficiency of the cam. Right. So it's not like you honestly don't get that much, but you definitely get some. But ultimately, at some point, there's a diminishing returns there, right? Where like... The velocity is high enough to kill an elk, but any any higher, like you're just piercing its skin faster, not really doing anything well, useful. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. not an expert in this, so I'm asking dumb questions. Yeah, but. you could use like a bigger a bigger cut broadhead to mm-hmm. where you're going to be able to get like. Oh, I see. Yeah, you yeah. Know, you're going to be able to force a larger devastation through it, type thing, or well, or the ability to like not have to hit them in a so- soft spot yeah. to where you can like you know. Because, like, I'm to the point where if it's a whitetail or smaller, mm-hmm. you know, I can kind of, like, break through anything I at see. my draw length and my poundage. Right. But, all, but like, once you get to an elk, it's like, okay. Yeah, their bones are really dense. Yeah, so. an elk or even, like, the forearm of a black bear. It's mm-hmm. like, it doesn't matter if you're shooting a fixed blade head. It's yeah. not going through some of that stuff. Right. Like, you know, I've, done, I've shot a million carcasses and everything. And yeah. So, it just, like, there comes a point where it's like, you're not going to get through it. So just well, avoid it. When we build our 500 pound draw deadlift, uh, dual foot bow and we get Eddie Hall here or whatever, some strong man, we're going to destroy some stuff. Okay. We'll take an elephant down. Well, you could do that with a regular compound, but you know, it'd be, I just tried to think of something bigger than an elephant. We'll take a whale down. Just something really big. I think take a structure down. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I think it'd be cooler. To not like shoot through like an animal, but like you know, try to like knock a knock an old uh, uh, tower of some sort down. Yeah, I mean, imagine being able to shoot through a shipping container. Yeah, that'd be cool. See, that's what I'm talking about. All right. I think if you tipped a shipping container up on its top, mm-hmm. open the doors, fill it with ballistic gel, close the doors, let it dry up, tip yeah. it back down, and yeah. just see how much penetration this human catapult That'd be cool. crossbow thing could get. <laughs> yeah. When you have some free time, work on this project. I know we have gone down the biggest <laughs> rat hole, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, well, let's get on the topic. Yeah, the, dude, the topic at Because hand. through all of your awesomeness of what you've done, you've somehow came into a field that I really – was lucky to be brought into Mm -hmm. before it kind of, I guess before it's launched and you were, you know, you were talking to me about this and you showed me and you said, you know, we're going to, we're literally going to like kind of recreate a new method for a vehicle that's purposeful for Mm -hmm. 
for everyone outdoors, but also for someone like you that just freaking loves to ride and yeah. stuff like that. And you met me somewhere and you said, okay, I'm going to show you, you know, I'm going to show you this thing. And when I saw the pictures, I had like pictured one thing in my mind. The picture looked like this. Yeah. But, you know, I kind of pictured it at a much different scale. Than, you thought it was going to be smaller, right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But then... When you showed up, I was like, damn. And you came to a, a Black Rifle event yeah. um, where I had a bunch of friends there. And I, I guess to make a long story short, it was hard having everybody keep their mouths quiet. Yeah. But everybody wrote it and everyone's like, dude, I want one of these so bad. Yeah. So, yeah, tell us about it. Yeah. So Vulcan e-power sports is the company that I work for. I've been there about a year. We've been in business a little over a year, so I've been there almost the entire time. Uh, and, uh, we're committed to making electric power sports equipment, motorcycles, side-by-sides, uh, anything else we can dream up that sounds like fun. Um, the founders, uh, when they started this project a while back, um, I think they, they got nice little stroke of genius where they recalled the fun, elements of the fat tire motorcycle craze and the fat tire, you know, tr- uh, three wheeler craze that you almost got y- caught up y- in probably yeah. killed you. But, yeah. Um, but like the real cool nostalgic element to a fat tire motorcycle mm-hmm. turns out they're actually really functional too, because you can run them with really low tire pressure, makes it really easy to go through sand and over rocks and that kind of thing. So like it's dual purpose. They look fun and, and kind of quirky and unique and they're actually really useful. Yep. So, um, uh, our first product is called the Grunt, and um, they are just starting to ship now. And uh, it's an electric motorcycle with fat tires, low seat, and the purpose of it is to uh, build a build a vehicle that's useful and fun. That's both that's essentially as useful as it is fun to ride. So, like we wanted to build something that farmers and ranchers might want to use to um, you know get around their property, something that a hunter might want to use to pull a deer out of the wilderness. Um, and then for people, you know, maybe like me that are just into, you know, camping, backcountry, overlanding, that kind of thing, like take it along, nice little, uh, camping rig, you know, go out and cruise around the territory and check things out, go fishing. We've got all these, um, accessories planned that will, uh, help people, you know, facilitate tri- fishing trips and hunting trips and that kind of thing. And we just, I think that if, if you've ever, regardless of how you feel about electric vehicles, if you've ever gotten in a Tesla and taking a ride in a Tesla, the power is really impressive. Like the, oh, yeah. the way that the power is applied uh, through the wheels and just the, like the way that it rolls on, like electric is kind of undeniable in the way that it delivers power. Um, and so we're in a unique position where, you know, we're making electric power sports equipment for people who are probably typically really ingrained in the combustion engine uh, world. And, you know, my position is just, as soon as we give them an experience with one, they'll see the light of day, um, that it is a lot of fun and it's a great alternative. And, um, yeah, so we're building shipping motorcycles right now. Um, our future plans include uh, a couple of side-by-sides, the stag and the beast, the stag will be next. Yeah. That, that thing looks so It's going to be rad. Yeah. And we, we actually have a, our first prototype uh, will be done here in the next week or two and I'll get a little walk around of it and get to drive it and do it and kind of start to test it. So we're, that's going really well. Um, and I think, um, the grunt will just continue to improve, you know, and we'll look to people like you who really put it to use in real world scenarios to give us honest feedback. Like, Hey, these are the things that 
I would want uh, to see improved in model years. And yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah, it's, I've been using it. Um, the first one I saw was in March. Um, was it that long ago? When we, no. Well, was it April? I think it was April when we met in, in San Antonio. Yeah. So that was April. We first started talking in February, I think. Yep. Um, and then I saw the first one in April and I've been like, I was wanting it so bad, yeah. you know, cause I'm like, man, I could use it here. I wanted it at the tax Yeah, yeah. because honestly at the tax, um, I could have drove that thing to every target. Yeah. You know, I could have, I could have buzzed around and saw everybody on the range and, and, uh, it would have been freaking perfect. But what's awesome about it is, or what I should say is for a lot of the listeners, they know that I've, I've ridden, I've ridden bikes. I've pedaled bikes for hunting situations for probably 15 or 20 years Yep, and really got into the E side of things. Um, probably 10, at least 10 years ago, um, Jim felt made a, a, an electric bite for me. Oh, cool. Um, and I've been riding that forever, but there's limitations with bikes. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the bad thing about bikes is like, if you go through CRP, you get grass in the sprockets. It's like, it's not shifting. Like as soon as the little, you know, tension wheel, yep. You're just totally screwed. Um, you know, drive it if it's if it's dewy in the morning and the dew gets on the brakes, it's yeah. just like squeaky. Yeah, crazy. just like, <laughs> like, through, <laughs> like alcohol. Yeah. Through the whole like frost, you yeah. know, frosty ground where it echoes like seven neighbors long. Mm-hmm. Um and then obviously you're limited on, you know, kind of the amount of gear you can take on sure. there too. Yep. Uh, but with this thing, I mean, I've had it, I got the first official one and took it out West. Well, no, it was delivered to Utah and I picked it up. So, you know, I was able to have that thing in like four different Western States and it was freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. And then now I've like come back home and it's like whitetail time. So, you know, for me buzzing around the farm to like, check if the combine needs to come yet right. checking cameras um it's got a trailer you can you can get a hitch for it yep. you can put a trailer on it you can you know you can haul um like you know i can take out probably on that trailer i could take out enough for like four stands where the sticks and yep. stands strap them down on there no problem packing out you know packing out like if it's legal um, how does it, how does it end up like going is it like for, for legality, it's non-motorized, correct? Yeah. I mean, it's not a street legal vehicle. You know, you, you couldn't, I don't think you could register it as a street vehicle, street legal vehicle in any state. That's actually the number one question we get. Yeah. Um, it's very complicated, uh, state by state to, to build a vehicle that, uh, you can title or uh, that you can register everywhere. Um, so it's off-road only, uh, and the, you know, the, our original intention was that people would use this on, you know, in uh, public lands and on the property that they own, that kind of thing. But yeah. we certainly get a lot of requests for it to be street legal. Yeah, I think it. I think it suits a better purpose the way you intended it. Yeah, you know, I think. Uh, well, and it'd also be more expensive if it was street legal, and it would be. Um, it would definitely be a, t- a completely different thing. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely much quieter. 
you know, I talked about this just last week. Um, I pulled all my stuff back, bike included, and I kind of put everything in the front yard mm-hmm. and was just going to take a couple hours and pressure wash. Yeah. The trailer, all my gear, the bike, like I was going to just clean everything, right? I mean, anyone who's done a Western hunt knows, like, when you get back, you got to lay everything out and you got to organize and you got to clean. Yeah. And just power washing, like, honestly, like my my flash shelter, um, my backpack covers, all of them had, like, you know, blood in them and stuff like that. So, um, and I went to, had everything laid out, went to do it, freaking, could not get my dang pressure washer to start. <laughs> oh yeah. And I was, you know, and so then uh you know, I had a buddy of mine with me. I said, you know, hey, go get go get some like, you know, ether. Maybe we just need to get this. And I said, get a new spark plug, you know. So we kind of like went through the normal things like yeah. you do on every small engine that won't freaking start. Yep. And then in the end, two hours later he goes do you want me just to go get my electric one (laughs) and i go yeah just go get that freaking thing yeah and and i didn't like i i was like we can get this thing to start like once you've invested 50 to 100 pulls into something you're like i'm gonna get this yeah i'm gonna get this thing to start yeah and so then yeah he comes and like plugs in i didn't even know they made electric pressure washers for some reason and then he's just like okay we turn the hose on he's just like and i'm like (laughs) it's pretty quiet and yeah and i'm just like what the and honestly um you know i i uh recently i didn't want to do it but couldn't get my my gas freaking limb cutter Mm -hmm. to work yeah my buddy's like you want to borrow mine i go yeah let me just come get it and it's like a dewalt one yeah and i go seriously dude and he goes, yeah, it's got more torque than yeah. than your freaking steel. He's like, go try it. And electric chainsaws are ridiculously good. Oh, absolutely. And so, uh, yeah, people- yeah, it just it like became obvious to me. And I remember, um, I honestly remember when I had my my first side by side was a Yamaha Rhino, and I remember I hooked it up to someone's like bad boy buggy because he was telling me like. You know, he's like with electric dude i have so much more torque and i'm like yeah. i'll pull that thing around like nothing and so i hooked up to him and like if you start them out like mash the gas at the same time yeah. you're not beating an electric vehicle no. it's just like instant full torque it, it's funny because people don't know or people don't understand that uh ho- like you can't really use the term horsepower as it relates to electric uh, vehicles it's all about torque yeah and uh you know we did we have a dyno in our shop now and we would do dyno tests of our motorcycles which is really standard for the power sports business and i remember the first dyno run the horsepower numbers can kind of came back unimpressive and i was like oh that's weird and then i saw the torque numbers and it was like the same as like a 600 cc street bike and yeah I was like whoa i mean it was really high and when, like I said, the first time you ride in a Tesla, you have no idea that it has maybe the quarter, it's got a quarter of the horsepower of a Corvette, but it's just as fast. Yeah. Right. Cause it's, it's just a torque monster. Yeah. I remember, uh, I rem- I actually remember when, when Elon first went on Rogan's podcast mm-hmm. because Joe told me he was coming on and then. He told me, uh, oh, great. Now, Sorry. You're, you, now you're breaking my Keep, little... Go on, go on. <laughs> so This will be really pleasant to hear at home, too. Yeah. Hang on, let's... Leave it off. Yeah, yeah leave it off. 
It's because you spun around so much. You yeah, over, not, I'm torqued, in the super relaxed mode you here. Torqued your wire too far. Yeah, I think. sorry, sorry. Pull some slack out. But he he said, yeah, I'm gonna end up getting a Tesla now. Mm-hmm. And he said, he goes, I told him I would buy one. So he said, I'm just gonna buy one. And Joe has nice cars. Yeah, lots uh, of them. Yeah, and so he freaking had that thing a couple days, and he called me. He's like this thing is freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what? Seriously? And he's like, dude. And I ended up going there like a month or so later. And so he had got ludicrous mode, mm-hmm. you know, and we were at this stop, you know, we came up and he's like, he was kind of like mashing it. I'm like, that's crazy. He's like, do, he goes, do you want to feel ludicrous mode? And I go, yeah, sure. That's cool. And he's like, all right, he goes, I'll, he goes at this next light, I'll do it. And so like, we go up and he like programs it or whatever. And then we start talking and, you know, we're, we're just having a discussion mm-hmm. about whatever. And so me typical, like ADD Dudley forget, forget, the- forgot about the <laughs> fact that like, yeah, this is ludicrous time. Yeah. So like I'm talking, he's just like green light. And I just like, in my mind, I was just like, <laughs> okay, whatever. Yeah. And dude, he freaking stomped it. And yeah. I remember like, I remember this instant feeling of like my stomach yeah. felt like it went through my spine and like was laying in the seat it, yeah, behind me. And I like instantly got like kind of sick yeah. because it's like all the blood just like went out of my body into the back seat somehow. Yeah, you feel like you're shot out of a cannon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or faster. Or faster, yeah. Yeah, I feel like a cannon. At least you can, like, see that you're, like, going out of it, yeah. you know, whereas that thing, it's like you don't realize, you know, and being on a jet or anything, nothing compares to, yeah. like, that thing. It, it would be like, well, did you ever do the rocket chairs at Vegas? No. Those, I don't those, do ham- those kind of things. Those hamster balls on yeah. the freaking slingshots. Yeah. I did those. And those have a lot of G forces too, but mm-hmm. like not even close. But it takes it. a while to get to it, right? Like with No, the- you're you're like you're in this hamster cage. Mm-hmm. There's a magnet holding it to the ground oh, and wow. a crane takes the freaking cables, oh, stretches no. it up to like oh. the top of the building. And then, like, as it gets really tense, the cage just, like, rocks back to where you're just pointing straight up between these two, like, cranes. Oh. And then, like, some stoner that's there, just he <laughs> just, just like, like, pulls the switch. Yeah, he just goes, later, dudes, and freaking <laughs> hits this thing and, like, lets the magnet go. And you're just, uh, you're, like, in a 10-story slingshot is what you're in. But I feel like it had more Gs than that. Yeah. You know, and I wasn't used to it. But, you know, with these things, that's what it's like. You got instant power. Yeah. Um, you can do a lot of a lot of things with electric motors that you can't do with a um, standard combustion engine, too. Like, one thing that we recently built into a, into the Grunt was a thing called, we call it hill hold, that essentially locks the motor. So if you go uphill and you stop, it doesn't freewheel. You wouldn't roll backwards. It, mm-hmm. lo- it locks the, because it's got magnets on the inside of the motor. And so um, it locks on a hill, right? And you yeah. wouldn't be able to do that with a combustion engine. And so every time you move forward a little bit, it locks. You can't roll back. Um, there's, a, there's a million different uh, features in an electrical system that you couldn't do in a traditional combustion engine. And we're just like barely scratching the surface of what's capable of those things now. I feel like, um, yeah, I've, I definitely feel like this is just the tip of the iceberg of yeah. like, I think 
I think there'll constantly be upgrades or like, you know, uh, updates yep. that can change things. But one of the things that's awesome is like, um, the grunt, you can put two batteries in there. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, depending on the mode you're in, you, when you first turn the bike on, you kind of wait about five seconds. Then you hold down one of the buttons that, you know, there's an led, um, pretty much like an led speedometer, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll toggle through, you know, you hold it down for five seconds and all of a sudden it'll put it in like, you know, stroll mode. Yep. And then you can push the button again. You go into the next mode or then, you know, you can go into the next mode. Each yep. one has the ability to go faster, have more torque. Yep. And, um, or, you know, if you're somewhere trying to preserve battery, but you're just wanting to slink around slow, just stay in stroll. Yep. And it's like, you know, you're just going to kind of buzz around. But if you're somewhere where you're on a, a steep incline to start out, you would, you know, need to put it in. Yeah. Explore a sport. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. We, we wanted to give people a, a wide variety of, um, we know that the thing will be used in a lot of different occasions. And so let's say you're, uh, you know, farm owner and you've got a lot of acreage and you want to, you want to just kind of go check on sprinklers or something like that. Stroll mode, our slowest of the modes, uh, preserves battery the, the best. So you'll get the, the longest, uh, distance out of that. And then explore mode is, you know, a little higher torque and power and then sport modes, full power, full torque, full everything. And we just wanted to make sure that there was enough variety in the initial offering. The cool part about um, having the electrical system that we have, though, is that eventually, like you said, like firmware updates will allow consumers to potentially program the bike for themselves or choose their own settings. Like we can unlock a lot of features in that thing that you couldn't uh, otherwise because like traditional motorcycle with like it's... uh, injection mapping and that kind of thing like it's there's kind of some parameters you have to stay within yep but for electric you know you can play with a lot of different variables what's the what's the um the the towing weight so you can tow 750 pounds um that's an elk people yeah that's an elk and a full camp setup yep uh the um you can put about a 400 pounds of rider plus gear on the seat uh, so if you, you know, if you had like a really heavy backpack or something like that, you could just put it on your rack behind you. Um, and so, well, I'm, two of us rode on. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, a, me and yeah, me and well, me and Andy rode around together on, on one. Cause I had it, I had it in Montana and we used it and, uh, and honestly it was hard to keep Andy off of it. He, yeah. You know, and I kept saying like, Hey, it's not out yet. Like yeah. don't show it. But yeah, he was buzzing around on that thing all nice. the time. Um, but and then, you know, if I wanted to ride it and he wanted to ride it, I'd be like, "Well, you're getting on the back." So <laughs> he, <laughs> I wish there was a photo of you and Andy riding two up. There is on that phone right oh, over nice. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Cool. Andy was Andy was on the back of that thing quite often when well, we were buzzing around. We'll have to get him one. I like Andy a lot. He's uh, <laughs> he's a good dude. And then um, actually, what's funny is I. My only memory of Andy uh, from cro- my CrossFit days was like he was just a total dick to me one time. I think it was at the games, and I was like, "Man, I hate that guy." And then, uh, and I don't know what it was about. It probably wasn't anything that big of a deal. But then uh, I like run ran into him at subsequent times, and I'm like, "This guy's nothing like the guy that I just ran into." I don't know what happened back there. <laughs> well, he he does like the thing is he does that. Yeah, and he never like lets people know that that was, you know, that he like, like that's a game. Mm-hmm. 
but he never reveals that he's not being serious. Right. So like it gets to the point where people are really uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. With they're like, uh, but he knows he's doing, is this guy going to kill me? And I'm like, he's not going to kill you. (laughs) He's just testing you. Yeah. He's just like, he's like, he's waiting, you know, and I don't know if that like comes from his era of the seals, but some of them are, you know, they're hard on each other and they play that game. Uh, so yeah, he's super dry and like super straight to the straightforward. But mm-hmm. yeah, he uh, he really liked it. And then uh, the Black Rifle guys loved it. Logan cool. Stark yeah. was riding on the back, you know, or I was riding. I don't know if I was on the back. I might have been on the back with mm-hmm. with Logan. Um, but yeah, everybody was cruising around like two at a time. No yeah. no problems whatsoever. Um, but what's cool is you can actually. It's not that heavy. When you see it, you would think that it would be yeah. hev- heavier than what it is. Well, it's got a really low – the weight is really low slung in the chassis. So you're – like on a traditional like motocross bike, the, the t- you know, the top of the engine is really high, and the, the weight of the bike is actually kind of high in the center of gravity. And with the grunt, like we wanted to put as much weight as low as possible – with a low seat height so that if you got into a position where you had to put a foot down or something like that, it was really manageable. Um, and, uh, yeah, the way the batteries sit in there make, make that weight really low. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, a the, the volume weight, I think it's 330 pounds total with uh, a battery in it and which is a little on the heavier side, but it feels extremely light. Yeah. It doesn't feel overly heavy to me. Right. And I mean, um, you know, you can, Still put it on a bumper hitch, yep. like one of the hitch haulers. Yep. You can still drive it up on one of those and have it, you know, at the back of your pickup truck if you're not trailering. Yep. Or, obviously, you can put it in the back of your truck, Yeah. you know, and it fits it fits inside the bed. And unlike a traditional motorcycle, you could pull the batteries out if you wanted to lighten it up a little bit for, for like, storage or to put it in the back of your truck. You can just take the batteries out if you want. That'll that, I think the batteries are, like, 24 pounds each. So the, the grunt... Um, if you've got both batteries, what's the, is it 70 miles? Yeah, uh, we say up to 75 miles. But the thing that people need to understand about that is that that's in that's in explore mode, which is like the thing that the mode that we think people will use the most. Yeah. So pretty decent amount of power. And um, you could. That's I mean, the middle of the road. Mi- middle, yeah. Middle of the road you setting. Could, if you were like a hyper miler, like those people used to be with Priuses or whatever, you wanted to like go as far as humanly possible <laughs> and you put it in stroll mode, I'm sure you could, pr- I'm sure people will probably report back to us that they're getting well over 100 miles with two batteries. But that's in, that's relatively going, that's pretty, going pretty slow. Is that slow. people our size? Uh, yeah, because I mean, again, the torque thing is really useful in getting the bike up to speed and really what, kills the battery is a lot of stopping and starting. Okay. So if you were to ride continuously for a couple hours in stroll mode, really the most, the hardest part on the battery is getting you going. And then if you encounter some like really street steep hills or whatever. Um, but we've also integrated regenerative uh, braking into the bike. So every time you roll off the throttle, if the battery is below 95% and you roll off the throttle, it begins to regenerate power. Okay. And um, that's really useful, especially in an off-road bike because there is a lot of stopping and starting, speeding up, going down hills, um, in, in off-road riding, whereas like in a street bike, um, you ride consistent speeds a lot. And so, uh, it's not as, it's not as useful in the street world. Yeah. But yeah, you can get a couple uh, percentage points back on a regular ride with regenerative.
breaking. So these first ones are um, chain driven. Yep. And really the only thing you can hear is the chain on the sprockets. Yep. Um, as a rider, you can hear that. And it's almost, it's like there's no engine noise. It literally, like if you could imagine spinning a chain around a chainsaw with your hand. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's like, all you can hear, yeah. That's all you can hear. And when when someone leaves you and gets like probably 10 or 12 yards away, mm-hmm. it's like not a sound right. that that I can hear. Right. So for whitetail. Well, that's that's from the the bass from your stereo system that you had when you were a kid. But, yeah. But no, they they are very they are very quiet and uh we know that that's a really important factor for people, so you know, a big focus for us in the future will be figure out how that chain noise, though it's minimal, we can continue to bring it down and maybe work with audio engineers or something like that to, yeah. to figure out like what what last little percentage point of, of sound can we reduce. Um, but, but it's not a sound that resonate resonates. Yeah, you no. Know, the, one of the things that uh, one of the things that really surprised me because I've written a lot of articles about. I really feel like you're better off, you know, I call it a bump, but like for deer, if I'm hunting a, if I'm hunting an area, especially a food source where everything's coming to me and then it's going to be there until it's dark. Mm -hmm. The last thing that I want to do is get out of that stand or that blind and have to like spook everything out of there. And now they're like a person just came out of that thing. Yeah. So I always like, do a bump and a lot of times i'll call a friend or i'll call you know sharon and i'll say i'm going to be hunting here um is there any way you can come in and get me at night like in some of my spots it's even like a little i'm a little bit more picky where i say like i don't hunt them a lot because i know how intrusive they are okay and and it it leaves like you know you're i'm going to blow a lot of deer onto the neighbors but I also know that the deer are very accustomed to like um, farm equipment. Oh, sure. So there's certainly times where I'll get someone to come and actually get in my tractor and come and get me. Mm-hmm. Well, and and normally I can like I can hear the tractor um, pretty much from right when it starts up, and I'm I'm probably a mile away yep. from where it is. But like if it's cold at night, I can like hear it. Yep. And nothing will even pick its head up, yep. like at all. Not going to happen because the tractor equipment or the farm equipment's yeah pretty well but known. But I'll the- tell you what: last year, um, my tractor had a flat tire, and I just said, "Oh, just jump in the side by side and come out." And so that thing started up, which I could I could hear. And again, I'm like a mile away. Yeah, and I mean, in a mile, like. You know, if you can imagine like going through farmland mm-hmm. and like, you know, having to like be on little, you know, tractor paths and, you know, it's going to pass other food plots and like, yep. you know, ponds or bedding areas. Like it's, you know, you're pa- passing all that to like get into where I'm at. Right. Literally, as soon as that thing starts driving the road and then you can tell when it like slows down and then like turns into the farm. Stuff was clear in the field. Yeah. Like it knew there's a, there is a four wheeler coming Mm -hmm. and at least my deer associated that type of like engine noise to like, that's not a tractor. That's, you know, which I don't, I don't like buzz around on 
four wheelers a lot on like at all on my place. If yeah. I drive around, it's it's either in my truck, which is quiet, or it's in it's in the tractor. Yeah. Like, you know, like even if I have to go check cameras, I'll like be in my tractor. Mm-hmm. Um, but for these stuff, looks at you like, what are you? Yeah. Which yeah. is which is the same look I get when I've ever, when I've ever pedaled my bike. Yeah. You know, there's times where I've just like pedaled up to stuff and like bucks will just like look at you like, what is this? Right. What is this? What is this? And then all of a sudden, like if they smell you, they know what it is. But right. for the most part, it's just, it's way, way, way less intrusive, which yeah. is why I just love e-power. Yep. And I think, um, I think for having something nimble enough, like this thing, um, I bought probably... Six or seven years ago, I bought, I bought one of those like um, those little pull behind uh, brush cutters that go behind like a four wheeler. Oh, yeah. And they cut like I don't know if it's like three or four feet, mm-hmm. but that's about as wide as it is. Um, I I I usually use that like right prior to season, and I'll mow like a really clean. I'll make like several passes to really chop everything up, and yep. that's what I ride my bikes on is yep. like a four foot path where it's really been mowed right down short. Sure, um, but it's not wide enough for a side by side. You could probably do a four wheeler, but it wouldn't be great. Right. I mean, the four wheeler obviously is pulling the mower, but I'm also like kind of ducking a lot and yeah. stuff's like hitting my arms and stuff, but on my bikes, a hundred percent fine. Right. So for this, it's going to be money mm. or like people that do a lot of shed hunting where they're covering a lot of ground. A lot yeah. of people shed hunt on dirt bikes. Right. Um, but again, you know, you're kind of making a racket, yep. you know, getting out there. So, um, actually the rancher where I was at last, um, I always stay there. And like every ran- like the rancher and all the ranch hands all have bike, mm-hmm. like dirt bikes. Yeah. And they, you know, and like if they've got to like buzz out to a field and like get that tractor and like take that piece of equipment over to there, they'll buzz out on the dirt bikes. And a lot of times they'll like put the dirt bike like in the bucket and yeah. then they'll, you know what I mean? Yeah. But when they saw this thing, yeah. they f- flipped out. Yeah, they, because it was instant torque, and it's it's really just fun to ride. Like you yeah. said, the wide tire, yeah, like makes the a fat, huge difference. The fat tire effect, like, brings like you said, nostalgia to it. Yep. Yeah, and if you ever ride a motorcycle like in a sandy wash or something like that, it's it's really challenging with a standard width tire. But fat tires and sand are uh, perfect, and you know you can air them down to six or five psi and kind of crawl over rocky stuff, and uh, you know, if you wanted to, you could bring a bring a small pump and pump it back up a couple psi and take it back out on a, you know, a Jeep road or something like that. So it's all, it's very versatile, and um, I think that, like you're saying, like I think the key for us is just getting people to throw a leg over it and experience it, just like a Tesla. Like yeah, you kind of don't know what it is until you experience it for the first time. And so um, we did a we did a big nationwide tour this year, uh, leading up to the launch of the the, the bike and you know, 10 stops and met a ton of people. And the impression was always the same. People were like, I didn't really know what to expect until I got it on it and twisted the throttle a bit. And now I get it. So it's kind of one of those things where you just got to get people on the bike. Yeah. Well, I'm excited about it. And you guys, just to give a little background, um, they're from Austin. So obviously there's a lot of like e-power coming out of there. So that 
anytime you're in an area where there's that type of knowledge already floating around there um, is really important. But you guys also, um, you guys also just went public last week, which I didn't know about that, um, which was pretty awesome. So now from a funding point of view, the brand is only going to get better. And it's my opinion. A lot of times, even with this, um, when the very first one, were you guys a startup? Did you do startup money? Yeah, we, we had a couple different funding sources, but we did one crowdfunding okay. uh, uh, round. It was a smaller round, but we, we did use that. So, I mean, like when you did that, obviously now you've kind of got to a new step, but I mm-hmm. feel like sometimes with brands like these, when you, like this is one of the few brands where I feel like I got in early enough, like to where... I think it's only going to get cooler, but I also think as it, as the brand gets bigger, I also think the price will probably grow, sure. like which is going to be natural. But for our followers, you know, it's like right now you can have a really cool vehicle that's like so much less than you know going and getting like a Polaris or something. Totally, yeah. you know, it's like it's not even for me. You know, I see some of these some of these ATV rides out there and then I'll like go and like price them out and realize, well, I might as well just get a Jeep. Yeah. They're pretty spendy. Yeah. I might as well get a car, but for this one, um, yeah, not that at all. It's, I mean, it's probably equivalent to, it's not that much more than the highest end, like e e pedal bikes. Oh yeah. I mean, if you bought, if you went on a specialized website right now, a new S works is $15,000. What the (laughs) freak? I mean, they're really nice, but yeah, so the Vulcan Grunt's seventy nine ninety five. Uh, that comes with one battery. That's about thirty five miles range in the ex- in explore mode. You can put a second battery in there, which will get you up to seventy five miles. And um, you know, for seventy nine ninety five base price, I think that that's that's really competitive with the kind of vehicle that you would consider for the type of thing that you do. Um, well, can you even get a? Could you get a, a WR for that? No. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you might find some used stuff out there on the market, but, um, yeah, you know, you don't, that, and again, there's like a lot of product, uh, benefits with electric that you may not get with a old used dirt bike, like, a just as an example, like a motor motorcycle engine has two, 3000 parts in it. Yep. And it, if one of those parts fails, the whole system fail. Right. So like the little valve, like a little spring on a valve fails and it, is catastrophic to the entire motor. And, you know, you go out and you buy a used motorcycle these days, and it's very hard to determine if the person broke it in the right way, ch- you know, change the oil in the right, in, in, um, what's it called? Intervals. Intervals. And uh, you just don't know. Buying yeah. a used motorcycle is like Russian roulette. For, yeah, for, that's for, like buying a, a rental car. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So that's a really like, good way I got to put it from it. Avis. Oh, good luck. Yeah. So you better flip it. I rent from Avis. Yeah. And so <laughs> the, the great part about electric motorcycles and electric vehicles is they have far less moving parts and yeah. the ability to diagnose an issue. If one does arise through the electrical system, you know, we're, we've, we're going to be launching the Vulcan app here pretty soon, which syncs with your bike and uh, can provide us feedback on problems you might be having, gives you an opportunity to upload, up, update your firmware, that kind of thing. You know, we can diagnose bikes uh, in the future um, potentially just with your phone. Jeez. Uh, so there's a lot of benefits to it and the price, I think the price is right and the market's just going to continue to grow. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we, we connected when we did. Cause, cause this, I mean, it costs that much to get a golf cart right now. Yeah. 
Oh and, yeah, golf carts are crazy right now. Yeah, yeah. I I I had golf carts. Um, I had a, an electric cart and I had a gas cart, and the bike is a million times better. Yeah. I mean, they just they have limitation. Don't have great suspension, and I mean, tip they tip over <laughs> constantly. Blair, yeah, Blair. yeah. But they also like if you just get like. You know, you're just not going through if it's wet at all. Yeah. If there's any type of an incline, like right. if it's anything more than a golf course, it's just not happening. Right. You know. And what? So what are you going to use? You're going to start hunting deer here soon. Yep. And you're going to on your property here. How are you going to use the bike in that process? Will you kill a deer and then go retrieve it? No, I'll like I drive a I drive an and I pedal. I've always pedaled an mm. e-bike to every sit. Oh, okay. Yeah. So normally, you know, I'm probably going to ride anywhere from 400 yards to a mile, mm-hmm. you know, every day in and out. I see. And, um, yeah, like, well, the other thing too, with like, with E powered equipment, there's no smell to it, mm-hmm. which is massive. Oh, like yeah, if you, t- if you, yeah, if you take, like if, if I had, like, even when I took my golf cart, um, it it was quiet enough to where it kind of just barely made a noise because golf carts are pretty quiet, yeah. you know. Um, it barely made a noise, but the problem is, like, you know, when you s- try to stash it, it's got, like, a roof on it. Yeah. Or even if it doesn't, I've had deer where, you know, the deer are, like, 200 yards downwind of it, and then they're, they're like, smelling it because, yeah. obviously, it's still, like, burning some right. some chemical off of it. And deer have great ears too, right? I mean, they're oh yeah, really good ears, hair. nose, eyes. I mean, all of it's pretty dang good. Mm-hmm. But with uh, like, I've killed a lot of deer where you know I've, I've videoed. There's the deer on the ground, and then I pan right underneath my tree, and there's literally a bike laying on its side under right. my tree. Yeah, you know, and if you can stash it by a a brush pile or something like that, or put it in some tall grass, and that's the other thing, like. Out west, it's so dry this year that they're not running dirt bikes and stuff around right. because of fire because of the fear of fire. Yep. So like even to be able to like drive out to a stand and lay an e bike down yep. in CRP yeah. and not like burn the freaking neighborhood down. Yep. Um is a huge selling point. That's a good point. Yeah, I never yeah. really thought about that way. Yeah. There's there's tons of stuff. And obviously if you're out on public, you know, and you burn a freaking park down because you're, you know, which is kind of a big reason why some of the motorized, you know, motor powered or gas powered stuff isn't allowed because yeah, yeah. It, you know, if you go out there and that thing's hot, I mean, have you seen side by side start on fire? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a lot of them start on fire and you know, a lot of times it's just from the dry grass that's getting underneath, you know, yep. underneath that engine compartment. Yeah, and then some, like, little piece of plastic starts melting, and then the whole thing just yep. toast. Then it's toast. So, yeah, just from that point of view, it's awesome. But yeah. I wanted people to be able to know. I know that, obviously, you've done an awesome job of, like, bringing me in the loop of telling me everything that's being done. And I've every time I've said, like, hey, it'd be cool if – maybe this you had this you're like yeah you know we got that feedback we're working on it so you guys are really good and i think um i kind of know from a distribution channel what your long-term goal is and i think it's going to be cool if people get in early 
And I think, um, I think it's going to make a difference yep. for sure. It's an awesome product. I yeah. was really pumped. You know, when I, when I first saw it, um, I thought it would be much smaller. And then once I got on it, it's like, you know, yeah. Harry freaking likes to drive it around. Like <laughs> every, I, every, I haven't, sh- you know, I haven't been able to show it, but lazily, like I drive, I drive it to my hundred yard target back. <laughs> right. <totally. laughs> yeah. I was, I was actually really nervous when I, I went to that, that black rifle camp or that thing down in San Antonio. Cause I was like, I just wasn't sure how it would be received. We'd been so quiet about it. Like yeah. hadn't put too many people on it yet. And the, the reception went for it was really good. Like everybody there was really fired up about it. So yeah. That, yeah. That was a big relief for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cool product, man. Yeah. And from what I've seen, when the side-by-sides come out, they're going to be awesome, but they're not going to have, I mean, they have a place. Yeah. And for me, you know, something small and, and, you know, and agile, like you could take this thing in, there's a little trailer for it. Or if you, you know, honestly, like if you, if you take an actual, like um, a full-size backpack, like more like a, a pack-in type backpack mm-hmm. to where, um, for me, when I go in, you know, you can put a tree stand, some pegs, you can have your bow, um, you can have all that stuff in one pack. Yeah. You wouldn't even need to have a pull behind. You can right. just go in and totally do it. Yeah. The one thing that we're working on right now that I'm not sure when it'll be complete is just a single wheel, a really small collapsible trailer. Mm-hmm. So the idea is like, um, something that you could potentially fold up and carry, but you could also put a deer on. Yeah. Um, that maybe is small enough to just strap to the back of the, the bike yep. and then unfold later. So we have a, we have a bunch of accessories and stuff like that in the works, but I think that now that we're starting to ship bikes and people are starting to receive them, we'll probably have all sorts of accessory ideas. That oh we never gosh. Thought of. Yeah. It's yeah. It's taken off now. And yeah. if you want to be one of the first ones in, then you're going to need to find it, but it's, it's a Volcon V O L V O L C O N. Not the skater brand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There it is right there. It's and that's it. That's a grunt. Yep. Fat tire bike. Cool dude. Well Chris, it was fun. I'm glad you got to tell me some stories. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of times when I meet people for the first time, which you and I have known each other like nine months now. Yep. It sometimes I feel like am I being rude not asking about themselves too much, but when I know that at some point you're coming, I I like you want to save the, the stories. Honestly, the, yeah. The podcast. yeah, it w- it was really hard with um, Gracie being here because I'm like, if we just go in and podcast and start talking, I know that like the listeners are going to benefit. Yeah, but I also know that he's not going to be able to talk about like how archery has changed since he's been here. Yeah. So there's this weird parallax. And then there's the thing of like, I let him talk about something, but I like, as much as I want to ask questions, I'm like, try to remember that, Yeah. you know, try to remember that. It's funny. Like every, probably every other Rogan episode, he's like, the first thing he says is like, Oh, we were just talking before the show and we had to start. uh, We had to record. You always wonder like, Oh, what were they saying back there? Dude, that's, that is literally, 90% 90% of the times where, you know, I'm at a hunting camp and, you know, a lot of the friends that I have are all together and we're all hanging out. And then, you know, an hour or two hours go by and, and everybody says I should have that would have been the awesomest <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Right. And I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like if I can get a podcast out every week, that's like 
fair to everybody else, but I also, you know, hopefully people realize that some, there's some people that come here that are friends and it's like, you know, it's almost like you don't keep it a friendship when you say, Hey, we need to podcast or, Hey, we need to post or, Hey, you know, you kind of have to draw the line and just say, man, let's just hang out. Yeah. It's a hard thing to navigate these days. (laughs) I, I, uh, I hate it, but it's, you know, necessary evil, especially if you're a marketer, you got to keep that stuff going, even though I don't, I don't love it all the time. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks dude. Appreciate it very much. Appreciate And, uh, I look forward to everyone seeing one of these things. They're freaking cool. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Be sure to check out knockonarchery.com for our full line of custom designed products, as well as free in-depth education and bow hunting entertainment to help you shoot at your best.